0: These four to
1: five months are about hard decisions, decisions that require real honest assessment of our roster.
0: We talk about the goal being to win the Super Bowl, and we certainly thought that was the case in 2019. We're going to do everything we can to improve uh, our situation in 2020. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns.
1: Everything is on the table to evaluate throughout our offense.
0: Intercepted right off the bat.
1: defense Holmes is going to go the other way he's going to take it to the end zone touchdown chiefs And our special teams snap Hold. kick is wide left
0: eight and eight no one's happy the word that comes to my mind this season is regression and why did we regress from wgn radio it's adam ho there's a fine line between winning and losing in the nfl points are points and if they're giving them to you you take them and from the athletic Adam Johns.
1: 8-8 eight eight just seems perfect for what they are this year. The offense taking the steps back. Your quarterback taking the steps back. Significant.
0: Here they are. The Adams.
1: It's not all. Just one person's fault. There's a number of factors in play here. We have to sort through. Hogan Johns. Let's begin now.
0: Oh, quite an open there from Ernie. Yeah, Ernie's good at his job.
1: <laughs> well, we knew that. If he's going to start using what we say in our own opens, I have to be more aware of this i feel like (laughs) i'm already aware of your well you're aware people listen to this (laughs) yeah yeah, (laughs) yes i'm aware that my podcast partner will take little snippets of what i say and use them so
0: yeah gotta be on on defense all the time that is true uh welcome in Uh, new music there in the open some uh new sound effects Twenty twenty. good stuff from ernie scatton The guy who handles our Opens and uh, is going to be working on a special episode we're putting together for you. Hoping to have it for you Thursday. If not, it'll be next week, but we're hoping it'll be Thursday's episode. A little extra production work that needs to go into it, though. So be on the lookout for that, but this is your weekly athletic episode on The Athletic at TheAthletic.com and The Athletic app. Appreciate you subscribing and listening. Uh, the season is still over, and will be over for a while. But there's things to talk about always. You know, see, we're gonna call it the off season,
1: but it's not technically the off season yeah. completely for teams. You, you know why I know this? So, so like one time, uh, I ran into John Fox at the airport bar. Go figure, at the airport bar. Um at O'Hare, and they were on the way to Mobile. I was on the way to Mobile.
0: And uh, Carlos Santos.
1: I go, hey, John, how's the offseason going? Get some time away. And he's like, Adam, it's not the offseason. <laughs> Especially in January. <laughs> yes, he gave me a hard time. And, and again, it was just me trying to make a little bit of a small talk. But I was reminded, oh, yeah, he's been quite busy. There's football still being played. And he is on the way to Mobile. <laughs> right.
0: You yes. got the senior bowl coming up, you got coaching changes, you got guys you gotta hire, they're signing tight ends that play basketball again. Yeah, I saw that.
1: Yeah. What's his name? I forget his name.
0: Fendi Anabon. Fendi
1: Anabon. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. You know the funny my my Fendi Anabon story. So I did a, see, a story on him in the offseason. This is how crazy Bears fans are. It was, it was like a story in I uh, will call it May. <laughs> I forget exactly. Okay. But I wrote it online. People loved it. Like like tens of thousands of people read the Fenny on the story. They
0: can't, can't get enough. He was a big deal yeah. for I, never doing anything. I, I guess so. I mean, he had one problem. He couldn't catch. Yeah, yeah. Might. <laughs> yes, but do. other than that, uh, Darian Clark was the tight end they signed yesterday. That's right, that's right. To a reserve future contract, and uh, the highlights were basketball highlights. Hey, it sometimes works. Jimmy Graham. But, I don't know.
1: Who's the guy in San Diego? Why am I uh, blanking on the Hall of Famer's name? Antonio Gates. Oh, Antonio Gates. Yeah,
0: a lot of these tight ends have played. Have oh, I mean, a lot of football players have basketball. Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers. Now, he's an exceptional athlete just yeah. overall. But Khalil Mack still plays basketball. Josh McCown. He Remember those uh,
1: uh, videos? We're going to talk about Josh McCown yeah. here in a little bit because of the Eagles playoff game. But... You recall seeing those videos of him playing in the charity basketball game where he was doing yeah, like they,
0: reverse slam dunks yeah they were they kind of resurfaced during the game the other Did day they? since he was playing yes, yes yeah
1: I saw some of that now he was an exceptional
0: athlete still is yes. I mean well, that was like from this summer yes or there was no a vid-
1: that was a couple of years ago I think that was when he was
0: with the Bears okay I I saw that's an old video maybe okay maybe it was presented wrong on Twitter or there is a new one no way not on Twitter yeah I know. That never happens. Uh, what were your thoughts from the wild card weekend? So, who do you want to start with? Let's start with the uh, Texas game. Everybody's going to
1: bring up Deshaun Watson. Do you see the Twitter angst throughout that game?
0: Well, just wait till this weekend when they play when each they other. When they play each other, yes. So, <laughs> I actually thought Watson was very
1: unimpressively impressive. He had like, a bad first half. He had half. a bad first half, really bad first half. And um, obviously, playmakers make plays. He was playing the Bills. I felt like the Bills. Let that get uh one get away from him. Um was there like a third and eighteen conversion that was like basically oh, a yeah. check down? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that was bad. And then like they had a chance to win the game, and the guy makes the penalty, like the end of I, that game was nuts. And the whole game was nuts. <laughs> it was like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah. The the entire sequence of even getting to overtime was nuts. Entertaining, but nuts. Um like even that spin around a throw that he had, which was a special play. I don't know how he didn't get sacked Yeah, on like, it's unbelievable. Like, like the defensive back in me from, like, high school is like, make the tackle. What, What is yeah. going on here? And, and don't get me wrong, an impressive play. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, like,
0: make the tackle. Yeah, both of, either of those guys, make the tackle.
1: Two guys hit him, spun him around. They hit him the hard, tackle. too. Yeah, yeah. I was almost surprised he wasn't. Like called down because sometimes they play they they whistle plays dead when collisions like that happen on quarterbacks we've seen it a couple of times um, like it's happened to Deshaun Sean Watson like didn't it happen like five or six weeks ago where he made an impressive play for a they whistle the but they whistled it the dead obviously the playoffs are an exception here you gotta let these guys play through the whistle but um yeah yeah I don't
0: know how do you feel about that game it was just a wild game yeah I mean I. The Bills definitely let them. That's one that's going to sting for a long time if you're a Bills fan. I mean, you're up 16 nothing. You blow that. You have opportunities. Um, you had your own game-winning field goal attempt negated by a penalty that
1: I didn't like that penalty call. The, that was a blindside block. I mean, it wasn't like you decleted the guy.
0: Okay. That rule... Is at the it's at the top of my list of things along with getting rid of the replay on pass interference this off season that needs to be addressed. I get the blindside block rule. I understand why it exists, especially on kick returns. So you you know you got guys running all over. The last thing you need is somebody getting de-cleated from behind or from the side when they're not looking. Even downfield, I get it. You know that blindside block rule. I get it. Downfield, they need to amend the rule though that it does not apply behind the line of scrimmage. I like that. It just that's it, that's simple. Behind yeah. the line of scrimmage, there is no blindside block because if you're an offensive tackle, anytime you get a pass rusher and a wide 9 or he takes a wide route outside, you're automatically facing your own end zone. That's just how it's yeah. only so then you're not allowed to hit the guy after that. That's not fair. Yeah you you're still you have to your job you can pay millions of dollars to protect your quarterback and the rest are telling you that just cuz the guy goes wide and now you're facing your own end zone you can't touch him that's ridiculous they need to change that i think they need to take into
1: consideration the the is this the right way to put it the level of contact
0: cuz he didn't like drill the guy but that's the way and and i specifically remember when we met with the officials in bourbonnais this year and they showed us the amended blindside block, and it's any, basically, the, the examples they showed us. Were you in that meeting this year? No. Okay. I, I like skipping it, I fall asleep. Uh, okay. You would have been, even you would have been like raged at these plays they were showing us. They showed us examples of the blindside block, and it was anything, basically, unless you put your hands up and just put your body in the way of a guy, if you made any contact with them, it was a foul. And I even asked uh, Adrian Hill, the rookie referee that was in Bourbonnet with us this year. I asked him, I'm like, so you basically can't touch the guy? And he was like, yeah. Ugh. You know, that's, that's the rule now. And, and that is just not fair for an offensive lineman. No. It's still no. football. And and it gets back to, the again, the idea of those guys, their job is to protect the franchise quarterback. And you're going to tell them they can't hit a guy after he goes wide and all of a sudden you're facing your own end zone? It's ridiculous. Especially when a guy's chasing
1: your quarterback. Yeah. Like, your natural instinct is to protect your quarterback. So, if you didn't see it, it was called on who? Uh, offensive lineman Cody Ford. Who's that? The right tackle? I forget the specifics, but I didn't like it.
0: (laughs) Here's another problem with it. It happens all the time. Yes. And... I, I forget which game it was. I think it was on Sunday where I specifically saw the, almost the exact same play, yeah. and the referee let it go right. because it shouldn't be called foul. Right. But you can't then just have some, like, oh okay, then what about the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl? Are you going to call it or you're not? Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? And unfortunately, it's a bad rule. The officiating is bad.
1: This year was awful. Just the, the, the missed calls with this emphasis on safety. It, just to to bring it back to the Bears for a second, like there were two clear cut hits on Mr. Trubisky's helmet, where the official is standing. Like, what's the who was the one? I'm I'm, for, I'm blanking on the play, but it was it the Vikings. Which game were you talking about? Uh, where Trubisky was nailed in the head twice. Oh. There was a, a very egregious one where he was scrambling. Was it the Charger or the uh, Rams I, I, game? Yeah, you know, but people know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, where there were missed calls. and then you have a call like this where the level of impact isn't that significant. It's, it's all blocking. Yes, it's an, like that call
0: had an absolute impact on the outcome of that game. You know, this is a great point you're bringing up because it's just. It, it's, it's showing that they don't exactly know how to make the game safe still. Yeah. Because on the same weekend, you had that play called. Jadavian Clowney are getting that here. You're right. You, all you had was an offensive lineman literally just blocking a guy. But because he was faced the wrong direction, it's a foul. And then Sunday, you have Jadavian Clowney spiking himself into Carson Wentz's head. And it doesn't get called. Yeah. To me, that was a dirty play. It looked dirty. It looked dirty. Don't dirty. And I thought, and I'm not just saying this in slow mo replay. When they, when that hit happened, I couldn't believe a flag wasn't thrown, and I was surprised they weren't really talking about. it. Yeah. And there was one shot right away as Wentz was getting up, where he looked uncomfortable, and that was the first sign that something may yeah. be wrong. Talk about a, a play, a missed call, too. That had an absolute impact on the outcome of the game. Yeah. Well, calling the foul wouldn't have taken the I concussion know. away, but still. Yeah. You know, the, the players should still be penalized for it. And then we go back all the way to Denver. Wasn't it Keem Hicks or was it Eddie Goldman that got called for just tackling the quarterback? Yeah. Of course, the Bears benefited from that, too, later
1: yeah, in they, game. They, Yeah, you know. But,
0: uh, unfortunately, the officiating continues to be part of the story in these NFL playoffs, and I don't think that's really going to change uh, this weekend. It's just the way it is right now, yeah. unfortunately. Um as for the other games, I mean the Patriots losing, that was quite, That's a story. quite notable. Yeah. <laughs> how about
1: that? How about that? Um well, I think we talked about it a few times this year how we felt that the Patriots were a tad bit overrated. Good defense, got a, got, like, got a lot of takeaways early on in the year, but still benefited from a weak conference or weak division. Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady without Rob Gronkowski. They
0: never had a good receiver weapon. No. No. Just felt off all year. Well, and I think that makes the, the, the evaluation right now, both in New England or if you're a team that wants to go sign Tom Brady. And I don't expect that to happen. I, I fully expect Brady to be back in New England. But, you know, I do wonder, how is Bill Belichick looking at this right now? Because you know how competitive he is, and you know he's going to want to come back and fix this thing. And right now, you know, sort of like the Bears, the offense is broken. So how do you fix the offense? And Well, I don't don't think the the solution to fixing the offense is getting rid of Tom Brady. Probably not. But I also think if you... Tom Brady was not the reason the Patriots regressed this year. But at the same time, he also very clearly started to regress himself. Yes,
1: yes. If that makes sense.
0: Father time strikes fast. The wall's starting to hit. Yes. And in the NFL, that wall comes hard. Yes. Quickly. Once it comes.
1: So... To further this conversation, I think the Sun Times had a column today about acquiring Tom Brady or signing Tom Brady. They'll be talking about Philip Rivers as well. Just a couple thoughts on that. Again, Father Time strikes fast with Brady. He was—you cannot replicate what was there in New England. You're not bringing Josh McDaniels with him. You're not bringing Bill Belichick with him. Yes, Tom Brady despite father time, is probably an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky. But there are so many layers to that. Like, could you provide the same type of situation that Tom Brady had out there? Absolutely not. Are you getting Rob Gronkowski out of retirement? Absolutely not. Too many different conversations. Even, even with Philip Rivers. The guy threw a lot of interceptions this year. Yeah. His father time caught up to him. And how much money are you going to spend to combat father time?
0: There's a lot of layers to this. It's, it's complicated, and I, uh, again, with those guys.
1: I mean, And that's, a, like, like, a quick one-year fix, and there's no guarantees that fix is even going to work. You're not getting Peyton Manning coming to the Broncos where you had special wide receivers, and it, it just, it's not going to work the same way.
0: Well, and I also think that, you know, the goal still at quarterback, if you're the Bears, is to find a long-term solution. And if you... Go out and sign Phillip Rivers. A, that's not a long-term solution, and B, that's the end of Trubisky. I mean, unless Rivers gets hurt. I mean, Trubisky would still be the backup, but... And I'm sure some fans would be okay with that, but I'm Right, but that means you're giving up on Trubisky as potentially developing.
1: Yes. All I'm saying is that seeing what Peyton Manning did with the Broncos, that's kind of an outlier. In this, that just doesn't happen. That, that seemed to just fit perfectly. You had the Marius Thomas, you had Eric Decker, then you had Emmanuel Sanders, you had Julius Thomas, you had a good running game, you had Adam Gase who was ready to take things over. You just had to, you just seemed to have a situation that was set up there for Peyton Manning. And even when he was setting all those records and throwing the ball over the place, he didn't even win it. Yeah. The Broncos didn't win it with Peyton Manning until so Peyton Manning was struck by Father Time. He was awful when they want it he was not the same Peyton Manning they want it with defense so just a lot of things to consider don't use that as your example to sign one of those guys
0: quickly on the Sunday games impressive performance by the Vikings going Absolutely, into New, yeah. New Orleans and winning you like that yeah you finally got your your Kirk Cousins moment <laughs> It took a long time you yourself had given up on him yes it's true
1: <laughs> that is true
0: Hey, but I'll give him credit, man. He made some plays. He,
1: you know That ball he threw to Adam Thielen. Best pass of the weekend. Um by any quarterback. In terms of moment, in terms of
0: context, in terms of who <laughs> threw it. Probably. Can't think of a better one. Wilson had a good one to Metcalf. That was great. But that's that, Russell Wilson. But that was to win the game. Yeah. Also, the fade This is Kirk Cousins. The yeah. fade to Rudolph. Yeah. I don't like that play call. I mean, the analytics show that just a jump ball in the end zone uh, when that's your last play isn't the, the best thing. Because remember, that was third down. And they were going to have to kick a field goal if yeah. they don't get that. Because I don't think you could pass on a field goal there. you got to take points. Although that would have been an interesting situation because a touchdown does win it. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, great, great job by the Vikings. They go to San Francisco now. I wouldn't rule them out. As having a chance to win that game, remember San Francisco is still in a little bit of uncharted territory here. They don't, we don't necessarily know how they're going to perform in a playoff game. I think they're the better team, but technically Kirk Cousins has more playoff experience than Jimmy Garoppolo does. It's true. <laughs> so you you don't you don't necessarily know how that's going to play out. And there's something right now with this Vikings team that you like. On the other side, Seattle now goes to Green Bay. Uh, I think that definitely worked out in the Packers' favor, too. They benefit from the Vikings winning because the Saints going to Green Bay I think would have been a tough tough situation for them. Now they get Seattle. Some history there between those two teams in the playoffs, too. Yes, yes, yes.
1: True, true, true. I think early prediction here, I know we're not doing predictions, should be San Francisco-Green Bay. Oh, Mm. yes. I think that makes sense.
0: Yes. What if it's Vikings-Packers? How do you feel about that? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hey, quick thing, though. You know, seven out of the eight teams remaining in the playoffs weren't in this position last year. They were not in the divisional round. The Chiefs are the only team that are returning. Yeah. Just something to remember that this league, there's parity. And it's designed to have teams like the Bears take a step backward and then have teams that are eight and eight take a step forward. Yep. You know, the Vikings were similar spot as the Bears last year. You know, they were they they lost to a bears team in week 17 at home in a game the bears didn't need so you're telling me not to fire everybody i'm telling you not to fire everybody okay it's just this just just a little bit of optimism there for you that you know teams do bounce back the packers bounce back the vikings bounce back go figure it happens seattle lost in the wild card round last year they're now in the divisional round you know it goes on and on um, anyway, we did want to recap the weekend for you there uh, with, the, with the wild card games. And, uh, you know, Bears or not, The NFL playoffs are fun. They always are. Let's just fix the officiating. Now it's time to talk about some crazy coaching news, including some breaking news. The New York Giants have their head coach. This is breaking during the podcast. And the head coach of the New York Giants is... Joe Judge. Who's that? Joe (laughs) Judge. The Patriots wide receivers coach. And special teams coach. Out of nowhere. Okay. Wasn't there just some report
1: that they wanted to interview Jason Garrett? But Jason Garrett is still under contract by
0: the, uh, the Cowboys. Like that literally came out 30 minutes ago that they were asking permission to talk to Jason Garrett. Yes. Something tells me that that. Either happened yesterday where they requested permission or... Like two days ago. I mean, I don't, I don't think 30 minutes before finalizing a deal with Joe Jones No, Judge, it doesn't work that way. They were requesting permission to talk to Jason Garrett. Uh, this, just a couple hours after Matt Rule goes to the Panthers, as he was supposed to be meeting with the Giants today, I think.
1: Yes, um, well, they, apparently they gave him everything he wanted, reportedly. And that's why he stayed in Carolina.
0: Let me tell you this. I'm not going to claim to know a whole lot about Joe Judge. No, I'm
1: going to Google him right now.
0: But he's 38 <laughs> years old. He's young. And I've been saying this for for years now. You know, when the Bears were interviewing Dave Tobe after Lovie Smith got fired. I do not understand why special teams coordinators don't get more looks at head coaching jobs. So if you're the special teams coordinator for New England, you know who cares a ton about special teams, Bill Belichick. Yeah. He, you want to get him. Everyone says he doesn't talk. Ask Bill Belichick a special teams question. He'll give you a 500-word yeah. answer. Yeah, oh, it changes games. Uh, absolutely. Well, Mike Ditka,
1: special teams coach. John Harbaugh, special teams coach. So there's, there's a history of it working. And what's the argument? Is they work their whole roster? They get to know all sorts of different guys at different levels of their careers and different draft selections and whatnot. But I, I look, I don't know. They they selected Daniel Jones, what? Seventh overall, what was it? Fifth overall, I forget exactly. Top ten. Seventh, yeah, yes. I think. What's his plan for the quarterback?
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, now you go out and hire a good offense coordinator to work with him. Yeah. I like specialty I mean, I just – I think in this – honestly, I think right now it's sort of happening with the Bears. In, the, in this day and age, everybody trying to pair their franchise quarterback with a head coach play caller – doesn't always work. The overall head coaching job is sort of being ignored a little bit. Yeah. And you need to be overall, oversee all 53 players in yeah. a practice squad. Now, the good news for the Bears is even though they went for the head coach play caller quarterback route, I think they actually found a good head coach. Yeah, he's I, excelling in the, in the other areas, and he's got to improve offensively. And we're going to talk about that a little bit with a story you had on The Athletic this week, uh, the great things Matt Nagy's doing As a head coach, he, surprisingly, it's the offense that needs to get figured out. But I'm just saying here, I don't know a whole lot about Joe Judge. I like this route that the Giants are going in. This guy's been the special. Oh, it's bold. He's been the special teams coordinator for the Patriots since 2015. Before that, he was a special teams assistant for three years. Goes back to Alabama as a special teams assistant under Nick Saban. So, dude, this guy's coached for Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. That's a quite a resume right there. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, it's just coaching search- searches are such
1: they're so fickle, especially like to cover them. So the Giants obviously had Matt Rule like on their interview list, but once Matt Rule gets the job in Carolina, do the Giants panic? Is it was Joe Judge their target or was was he their second
0: target? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would think that they would at least were hoping to talk to Matt Rule. Right. So maybe Matt Rule coming off the, you know, coming out of the picture, they just made their decision. Like some teams, like the 49ers benefited from waiting out
1: on Kyle Shanahan, right? And the risk with that is the staff. Like, what do you do with your staff when you have to wait that long? So you're you're getting the, you don't really have the pick of the litter there. You're, You're getting guys that are unemployed. You get you get the guys that go to mobile looking for a job, right? That, that's who you get stuck with. Sometimes it works out. It works out great for, for the the 49ers right now. So maybe that's in play for the Giants. Maybe they want to strike fast on some of these assistants. Maybe they got to
0: find the next hot shot coordinator to get for Daniel Jones. The deal for Matt Rule, by the way, you said they gave him everything. Pretty close. Seven year contract. That's a lot for Whoa. a head coach. Worth sixty million dollars. Incentives could be worth up to seventy million. This is according to Adam Schefter. That's a huge head coaching contract for a-
1: seven years
0: for a guy coming from the so college ranks. F- well, this is that's
1: a game changer because look, we all know NFL front offices are extremely impatient. We're talking about the ownership, right? And they're willing to eat lots of money, lots of money. Pat Shermer, they're eating a lot of money there in New York, and, and I'm sure. Joe Judge at least got a five-year contract because that became standard. Matt Nagy got a standard five-year contract. Wow. Seven
0: years? That's a big deal. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm like almost flabbergasted. So. And these two guys we're talking about right now, Matt Rule and Joe Judge, these have just kind of came out in the last couple hours. When I originally made the outline for this podcast, I just wanted to talk about Mike McCarthy <laughs> getting the Cowboys yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about
0: that? Um, look, I said. Look, I said last week that I was a little skeptical about the whole Mike McCarthy project. That's been, you know, great job by his PR team getting all that out there and the stories, the Peter King podcast, the feature on the NFL so, Network. Uh,
1: time out on this. Yeah. So, like Jim Haslett is on
0: his fake coaching staff. The fake coaching staff,
1: but he's not part of his. Real coaching staff. I wonder staff. that. Like,
0: was I when I was watching this story and Tom Pelissero did a good story for NFL yes. Network on this too. I'm watching this and you like see like a real coaching staff kinda in his you know yes. in his office working on something. But he didn't hire them. I'm <laughs> like, so is he gonna hire these guys? What are these guys Apparently doing? Apparently not. Mike Nolan, what are you doing? Come on down. It's fine, Mike Nolan's been around. So the question is, did they know when they were flying to Green Bay for a week? Like I think the deal was they would like spend a week each month at McCarthy's house. So when they were spending that time doing that, were they also trying to get hired? Or are they just like football junkies that were just, just like hanging out? Cool, I'm getting paid by Mike McCarthy to do this.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go hang out in this farm. Apparently where the basketball teams practice who practice there? I don't know. I forget what you said. The last Green week. Bay Phoenix. The Green Bay Phoenix. Yeah, how that's kinda no there's Joe George on TV right now. Yeah. With Bill Belichick. Um Yeah. Yeah. Look, we know some of these coaching decisions aren't going to work out. Some of them are going to flame out. Heck, I, Look, I like Matt Rule, but at the same time, seven years? It's a lot of time for things to go right and a lot of times for things to go wrong and you're stuck with the guy. Yeah, look, Apparently he wants to rebuild that team.
0: I like Matt Rule a lot, though. I think he's done a he, – hes now, just because you can rebuild a college program doesn't mean you can rebuild an NFL program. But, again – Interesting, interesting trend here. Cause the the Giants go and get a special teams coordinator. The Matt Rule's not an offensive genius type guy. He's not a head, he's not a head coach play caller. He's just a head coach. Yeah. He's gonna oversee both sides of the ball. He's gonna go out and get an offensive coordinator too. That and this this kind of gets back to the Pat Shermer conversation. Yeah. You know, if Pat Shermer wants to call plays. Would you rather be in Carolina where you really have ownership of the offense or do you want to be under Matt Nagy in Chicago?
1: Yeah, and be like a tandem yeah. there. The trend that I see here, and this relates to the Bears as well, is whether front offices, and we know the, there's new ownership in Carolina, are going to be more patient. Seven-year deal tells you you're going to be patient. 49ers, matching five-year deals for John Lynch and Cal Shanahan. That tells you you're going to be patient. Five-year deal, Matt Nagy. Your extension for Ryan Pace. That tells me, that should tell everybody, that they're going to be patient. This idea of the quick fix, quick turnaround, buy your way out of trouble like the Bears tried to do with Phil Emery. It seems to me at least there is a trend around with certain teams that they're willing to be a little bit more patient in trying to build it the right way. There's. It's refreshing in a sense.
0: I I agree, I agree.
1: Quick fixes do not work.
0: They rarely do. Um, I'm I'm
1: trying to think of one in, in recent history that actually has.
0: Where Where are you talking GM or head coach? Just a head just, coach. Just, just in. overall. I mean, just look at what happened to the Rams. They
1: did it the right way. The drafting. They got well, a. Sean quarter. McVay
0: got in there and pretty much turned it around. Yeah, yeah. That's,
1: that's fine. But then they started to try to buy their way yeah. into it.
0: Kyle Shanahan it's taken 3. Yes. I would say that's more of a long-term approach. Um Yeah, I don't know. Vision. I like the patience. I like some of these moves. I like that a lot of these teams left in the playoffs are running the football. Yeah. It's not just pass heavy. And now you do have the young quarterbacks in Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes too, and obviously Lamar Jackson. But oh well, first of all,
1: the Ravens run the ball like straight right. straight on power. It's a power offense, as exciting and as Lamar as, as Lamar Jackson is, and, and as good as he is as a quarterback, his legs, what they do with with the running backs there, with the three tight end sets they
0: use. that's a powerful offense. Yeah. I really like what Greg Roman did there. Well, and he's gotten some looks too, but. Um... Now the jobs are starting. What do we have? We have Washington's filled, Carolina's filled, New York's filled, Dallas is filled. Is it just the Browns now? (laughs) Yes. Boy, the Browns. Uh, Yeah. In fact, Adam Schefter just tweeted, no more need for Cleveland to rush their head coaching hire. Browns have their choice of the field. (laughs) And our friend Ben Finfer retweeted and said, I'm sure they'll nail it. You know what, though. It it kind of puts the Browns in a better position, though, because if you were a head coach, if you were a head coaching candidate playing the field, you're probably not going to Cleveland. No. Now, if you want a head
1: coaching job, Cleveland's your opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And again, it takes some of the emotion out of the equation because I'm sure there was some emotion involved in New York when Matt Rule got the job in Carolina. Emotions out. We'll use that word patience again. But who the hell wants to go to Cleveland? (laughs) Not
0: a great city. Not a great organization. you got
1: your quarterback all over TV in the playoffs, but he's not actually playing in the playoffs.
0: Even my wife said something like that during the games the other day. She's I, like, I actually, in
1: every commercial. I, I actually find the ones where he's in the stadium quite funny. They're, it's a great c-
0: campaign. Yes. Those are outstanding yes, commercials. They're
1: clever. Like, as a homeowner, I, I know what he's going through when the toilet's running. <laughs> Hey, I got 68,000 people here coming tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, like, That's funny. I, I like the commercials, but now it's kind of like uh, uh, a bad look. I liken it to like what happened with RG3 in Washington right away. Remember that? Like He was everywhere after his first year, and then poof,
0: never yeah. the same again. Yeah, He's actually still in the league. He, he is. Back up for the Ravens. He won a game the other day. Come on. Week 17. Oh, he did, yeah. He played in week 17. He did play. Weren't you the one, who was it? that? Oh, it was Joe, I think, that pointed out in that matchup that the Ravens still had the better quarterback on the field. Oh, yeah. RG3 over Duck Hodges. Yeah, Duck Hodges. And that was a great point. What a name. And they won. All right, some other things we want to get to before we get out of here. Um, interesting story on The Athletic that you can check out while you're listening to this right now. Bob McGinn. The legendary Bob McGinn. Yes, I'm sorry. It's actually in his contract that we have to refer to him as the legendary Bob McGinn. Correct. Just like Dan Pompey, right? Legendary. Yeah. Like, your senior athletic writer, those should just be legendary athletic writers. <laughs> yeah, that should that. be in their title. It's it, it's
1: it's fair, because him and... Um, Dan and I should not have the same title. <laughs> <laughs> With all due respect to myself. Yeah,
0: I think uh, that's a good point. Oh. Yes. Okay. Um, anyway, Bob McGinn is does a great job of always his rolodex of personnel across the league that will always give him anonymous quotes and give him insight that he can use. Scouts that will talk to him. Uh, usually, this, this
1: is what he's known for: draft yeah,
0: and especially with the draft
1: background stuff. Yes.
0: But so he talked to and polled some personnel. NFL personnel, decision makers, and came up with the NFC North offensive and defensive and special teams teams of the year.
1: Right. Not a lot of Bears represented, but to be expected.
0: I'm, there's a lot to get to, so we're not going to go through the whole story. You can read it on The Athletic. You can scroll through it right now as you're listening to this podcast. You just minimize the podcast, find the story, you can read it so you can follow along. But the one thing I want to talk about is Khalil Mack. There were some interesting quotes in here. As he he goes to, this is the right end position under defense. So Zadarius Smith got the most votes as the best right end in the NFC North. Everson Griffin comes in second, tied with Khalil Mack. And then Romeo Okwara uh, from the Lions comes in last. So Mack's still tied with Griffin. Good players there. And Zadarius Smith probably had the, I mean, that's the right order, to be honest, for this season. Absolutely. But what's interesting are the quotes. And Bob McGinn writes, one year after Mac was named the NFC North's most valuable player, he fell into a tie for second at his position. This is a quote here. He's had more of a disappointing year, said one scout. He's kind of been able to be handled a little more. You've been able to slide the protection to him. I don't know what's going on with him. Then McGinn writes, does Mac lack effort? Sometimes, said another scout. I think that's what it is. You see all the ability, but he doesn't finish all the time. I don't know if he's got that super competitive nature. How can all that ability disappear? Based on this year, I'd take Zedarius Smith over Mac. McGinn writes, not having Akeem Hicks brought even more focus on Mack. Quote, when you don't have Hicks, you feel you can handle Leonard Floyd and Mac will get a lot of attention, a third scout said. Is he lazy? No. He's playing in a little different scheme. He's still a bitch. He still had five forced fumbles. So you had two,
1: call them different opinions, at least on the effort argument?
0: I would guess that the coaches who coach Khalil Mack would completely disagree with the lack of the effort. The quote about lacking effort.
1: I think there's an argument to be said about finish, because I don't think the Bears. They didn't finish off their sacks. I mean, the, the sack numbers are down considerably. But yes, go go on. Sorry. Well,
0: look, I, I'll be honest. I've there there are some times when I watch Mac where I wonder. Actually, this was more last year, when Mac obviously had a great season. But I wonder, like, how come some plays he looks ridiculous, and then others? You know, he doesn't really go anywhere. And anytime you see that, you do wonder, does he take plays off? But I remember that question came up to Brandon Staley last year. Did we talk about this recently? I, maybe it was on the radio I brought this up. But we we talked to Brandon Staley, who was the Bears' outside linebackers coach last year. And he went with Vic Fangio to Denver, so he wasn't around this year. But I remember talking to him last year, and he went into such great detail. I'm pretty sure we played this on the podcast about how Mac is a technician and sets moves up for later in the game. So when sometimes it might look like he didn't quite give full effort, he's actually sort of conceding on a snap That he's not going to get to the quarterback based on the play or the direction it's going in or whatever. Or maybe it's just first down or second down. It's a rundown. Where he might not be giving 100% because he's A, saving his energy, but also he might kind of just throw in a dummy move to set up a real move later. Like this is the stuff that Khalil Mack works on in his craft. And I think the way Staley said it, was like, he's always giving 100%. It's just sometimes he gives 110% on other rushing downs. And I thought that that was really interesting. It made a lot of sense. Yeah. One point I want to drive home on this is
1: sometimes the rush plan, the game plan comes into effect. Like Patrick Mahomes, he's best when he's off schedule. and He's deadly when he's outside the pocket. Like, even Aaron Rodgers is like that. So how many times have we've asked these guys and done stories on these guys where defenders are saying, we want to keep them in the pocket? So when you do that, yes, you want to get to the quarterback. But sometimes it changes your rush because you got to contain. You can't let him get outside of you. So you change your rush a bit. So that comes into play. I do think a key mix, like one of the scouts said, the loss of him was significant up front because it allowed like the scout said more ha- players ha- yes yeah, handle th- floyd yes this, this slide to mac and then you got floyd left on one i would not be surprised i know you've brought it up a couple of times if mac was not dealing with some type of ailment there's too many times where i wonder that there's too many times where i think maybe some of these scouts wonder that like what's going on like so the one quote i don't know what's going on yeah, with yes, yeah, that's so, kind of how i felt yeah, all season so, so even Everything we just said, what Staley said, setting guys up for later, the rush plan, keeping guys in the pocket, the loss of Hakeem Hicks. I do think there's something up with Mac. I do think maybe he's got an injury of some sort. It wasn't serious enough to, to keep him out of practice, but these guys deal with things. They play with things. And when you're getting triple teamed, I think that comes into play a little
0: bit more. Part of it's unfair because he is so good, he sets these ridiculous expectations that are hard to meet. And Cleo Max still had a good season. But there are superstars in sports that are superstars for a reason. They get paid like superstars, and they're expected to perform to that level because that's who they are. You know, if LeBron James has a bad year, everyone's going to go, well, what's going on with LeBron James? Now Khalil Mack didn't have a down, a bad year, but he had he didn't have a Khalil Mack year. And I think the thing like if I I broke down that one Lions game in the middle of the season and detailed exactly how, you know, the Lions handled them. But there were still a few one-on-one rush opportunities and I think he won a couple of them, but he didn't win them all. Which you're not always going to win them all. The problem is, like, go back to last year. Wasn't there a triple team that he defeated and sacked a quarterback yeah. with his ass? Yeah. Wasn't that a play that happened? Oh, the, the ass sack was, the butt sack was against <laughs> the Packers. Yeah. And didn't he go through, like, three guys to yeah. do that? Yeah. You know, there, there were ridiculous plays like that a year ago that weren't there this year. And to me, then when I see scouts say, I don't know what's going on with him. So they're seeing it too, and he said, and another scout said, "How can all that ability disappear? It just—it's experience in my job, where when I sometimes the only answer to that question is a guy's not a hundred percent. Yep,
1: he's dealing with something,
0: and that's why I kept bringing it up throughout the year because something here doesn't make sense. And in my nine years of covering this league, when it gets to that point where you have somebody this good." More times than not, I'm not saying it's definitely the answer, but more times than not, especially when you can't get an answer, it's the guy's playing with yeah,
1: something. Yeah, yeah. In hockey, this was prevalent.
0: Oh, yeah. happened. But the difference in hockey is like almost always the season would end and they tell you what they, was they going tell on. You, wouldn't well, they? Oh, yeah, they would be like yeah. you know, surgery after surgery after
1: surgery. Yeah. And, and maybe Max isn't serious enough for, for surgery, but I don't know. Well, I'm just speculating. If he's dealing with some type of back spasm or something, that's nagging. That bothers you. There you go. You know? It doesn't mean it's significant to the to the point where you're undergoing the knife, like like a Roquan Smith with a torn pectoral muscle. But it's still gonna have to be treated during the week. Still gonna have to be treated in the off
0: season. But then the hope is that it's not recurring. Yes. And, yes. And he is getting up there. Like I remember when we did the podcast right after I traded for him. It was a six year contract, right? Chances are, I think we said this at the time, chances are the last two years, yep. he's not going to be the same player. Right, you wanted four special years out of this. That's why I said this year, you're already two two years into it. Yes. But and I, you don't have a playoff win. Yes.
1: So I think the answer to all this is probably all of the above. It's Scheme. It's Hicks. It's a lack of production from Floyd. It's probably the offense regression as well because they're on the field so much. It's teams... I mean, opposing offenses being able to dictate a few more things defensively. Sid Hicks is probably losing Trevathan. There's a lot of factors into the decline. And, again, I think some of it's probably a bit personal, too.
0: Well, I said this last night on on WGN Radio. To me, there's two things that I want to see from Pagano, Chuck Pagano this offseason, schematically. One, I'd like to see Eddie Jackson go back playing the position he was playing before.
1: I think it's a 100-snap difference in terms of free and, and in-the-box.
0: He needs to be the free safety. He's too good of a center fielder, ball-hawking type guy. He, I know he had a great year, and he got rewarded with that extension. Congrats oh. to him. He deserves it. Now but he you, can be greater. Now you need to get the production out of him. So, And I realize why they did it. Ha-Ha Clinton Dix is not an in-the-box safety. He's not really an in-the-box safety. So move on from Ha-Ha Clinton Dix then who I thought was good, but I'd rather have Eddie Jackson be back there with maybe a safety that's not quite as good as ha-ha Clinton Dix, but he's more in the box. So that's the one thing schematically I'd like to see changed on the back end. The other, and I thought it was interesting that when I asked Ryan Pace in the press conference about Khalil Mack's season, Matt Nagy jumped in at the tail end of his answer, right, and brought up how basically Pagano – we'll be looking at that this offseason, too. Yeah. And so for me, that's the other thing. If it is schematic, and that's the one thing I kept saying during the season, okay, then scheme him out of it. Move him around. Put yeah. him in different matchups. Yeah. Yeah. find him, Put him in a spot where he can't be triple teamed. And I know it's not that easy. But you can do different things to make it less predictable. So whatever that is, for me, those are the two big things that Chuck Pagano has control over this offseason that can be improved. Learn. It's like the Vikings giving the
1: Atlanta Falcons credit for coming up with the rush plan to get to Drew Brees. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. So they basically did the same thing. Speed guys inside, pressure up the middle. And it worked. Hey,
0: last year, Bill Belichick gave the Bears credit for how they played. I think everybody should give the Bears credit still for that. Jared Goff has not been the same. It is funny. Those last two Super Bowls, the Eagles win with the Philly special and it gets revealed after the game that that goes back to the Matt Barkley play. Dow Loggins. And Dow Loggins in Minnesota. And then last year, Bill Belichick's openly talking about how they go back to that Bears-Rams tape and how Vic Fangio shut down the Rams offense. And that's what they did in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So the Bears do have two Super Bowl trophies in the last two years for other teams. <laughs> yes, That counts. They get that at Alice? Something like that. All right, before we get out of here, you had a really good story over the weekend on the locker room uh, and how Matt Nagy kept it all together during the four-game losing streak. Yes, thanks for uh, bringing it up. Um, I didn't want
1: to even bring it up, but thanks. Um, Why not? I don't know. I don't know. I don't like that. So anyway. It's the Athletic Podcast. I know. We got to talk you about it. You can read
0: it on the on theathletic.com.
1: I, I look at it both ways. I, I get that some people – and if you look at the comments, are just whatever. I mean, they want everybody gone. Like They just want full-on house cleaning, and that was never going to happen. And I think some fans are never going to be happy until it happens. You know, There's a lot of anger right now. Yes, which is understandable. But throughout the season, and let me know if you had the same feeling, like when they were in that four-game losing streak and then things started to turn around. I'm I'm starting to wonder. I'm, I'm talking to the guys in the locker room. And you and I both worked that locker. I'm like, what's going on here? We covered some bad, bad dysfunctional teams here in Chicago. And yes, there were some signs of things getting away. And yes, there was some discord. Um, but it never took that like final turn into complete anarchy. Like Teams that we covered, even like John Fox, guys were fighting with each other. Coaches were, you know, like, Adam Gase didn't like Martellus Bennett by the end of it. Like there were certain things that started to surface year after year. And I guess Fox May- and Fangio Fox and Fangio. Yes. Um, this year. I mean, yeah, man, now yeah, you got wait Like, like Mark Helfrich, Harry, he stand, they were dismissed. You know, I think some of that was more schematic than anything, but in terms of the locker room, like if it was functioning, like, Things were kept together. Things were kept in house. As bad as your quarterback was playing, things were kept in house. And I think that's significant. I I don't know. That's how I felt. So I started talking to guys, and this is what the story that came from it. You know, talked to Matt Nagy for a bit too. But I don't know. Did you feel the same throughout the year?
0: I did. I I I think we talked about on the podcast that I I was continually impressed that it never. Like I kept, I was the same way. I kept waiting for it to happen. Like I kept waiting for the crap to hit the fan and just spray all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: like that scene from Airplane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but even like, I mean, there's, 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 think about your own job, and I'm talking now to our listeners. Like whatever you do for a living, there's, you don't like everyone you work with. You don't like all the decisions that are made by your bosses. Not everything. No, Nobody does. In whatever they're doing, there's always things you question. It's human nature. And so if you think about it that way, if you're just a player, it could be, could be anything from having an issue with how they handled London, wanting to go out earlier in the week, not feeling right once you got there, feeling like you weren't in the right shape for that game. And I'm not saying that happened. I'm just, I, there's, I, I just guarantee you that there's a handful of players that did feel yeah. that way. Yeah, you're never going to be happy. Yeah, It's human nature. So that's something you could have complained about. You lose that game. Now you have a week to kind of stew on it because it's the bye week. Then you come back from that and you get your ass kicked by the Saints in an ugly game. Quarterback was awful. The QB was awful. Defense is still doing its job. It's just so easy to internally start pointing fingers. To even just go home to your wife and kids or whatever and bitch, just like we all do about our jobs, right? But... Eventually in the public world that the NFL is, that's gonna seep usually it would seep into interviews or conversations that are happening in your position rooms or anything. And in this case, it just didn't
1: really seem to happen. Now now you saw things like on, on Twitter during the four game losing streak. I won't name names, but
0: Well it was on Twitter, you can name it. Okay, names. like, like <laughs> Anthony Miller like yeah. is
1: liking tweets Critiquing his quarterback, but praising him. There was a, a
0: tweet. I remember you brought up. We're sitting in Tottenham Stadium, literally recording our podcast. You brought up a tweet that had just popped up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So this started to unfold. Um, or started to reveal itself. And he wasn't alone in this. He was not alone in this. We, we had even Allen Robinson get into it with Aaron Nagler.
0: Well, everybody gets into it with Aaron Nagler. Yeah, that's including, true. Including me. That's true, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, he really just came after me. I didn't really... Go back, but
1: okay, good for you. Anyway, <laughs> but then it ended, like it ended. Yeah, it stopped.
0: And well, I think I, what your story points out is why it ended.
1: Yes, yes. So if you haven't read it yet, check it out. Like it, it, it takes you inside Matt Nagy's Players Committee. It took you inside his these presentations he did, where he referenced like the the, the World Series winning na- Nationals, the. Virginia men's basketball team, Tiger Woods. There were some other ones that left out, like Kobe Bryant was referenced, War- the Warriors were referenced. Matt Nagy's a big basketball guy. Um, it brings you into how he kept his coaches engaged with his coaches, family's day he had. You know, you and I have kids.
0: Yeah, I didn't know. Like, that was new information I really thought was great. In, like so That you should talk about. It was uh, every Monday night. Right? Every
1: Monday. So Matt Nagy would have an hour for his coaches to have their families come. And, and just play. And just play. Like, yeah. get away. Mondays are long days for those guys. Brutal. And we're talking about, like, 15, 20-hour days. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. Some and they're not guys, exactly
0: sleeping a lot after the game. That's I what said. I mean.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. it's grueling. So, he gave them, and obviously, you know, he has his own kids, um, four young boys. So, to, to have an hour with your families, your kids, because everybody has concerns at home. So forget that people are people. That these players, these coaches are people. And that... Some of these coaches found it rejuvenating. So there's different things afoot. And I get the Bears did not deliver on expectations. I get it. But a lot of these things they did last year too. Coaches Day, Players Committee, visual presentations. It worked in one year, kind of evolved into something different in another year. But something's, something has been built. And I just think in talking to some of these players, like I talk to guys who have been here a long time. Charles Leno. He was here when things went crazy under Phil Emery and John Fox. Pat O'Donnell, too. Alan Robinson was in Jacksonville. Kyle Fuller was here just as long as Charles Leno Jr. and Pat O'Donnell. Like Akeem Hicks. He's come through some tough times getting kicked out of there in New Orleans, going through um, New England, and now he's here. Like These guys have seen some things. And they like what's been built here culturally under Matt Nagy. I don't think that could be overlooked. Well, you, not be ignored.
0: You know, you did a good job of of showing behind the scenes why there is still faith in Ryan Pace in Matt Nagy. Like, I realize that Ted Phillips and George McCaskey don't always do the you know the best job of articulating. And they're put in a tough position after a very disappointing 8-8 eight eight season. Well, wins are to, everything. To, I understand that. To to explain why they still believe in Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. But I think this is exactly, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier in the podcast, too. Why I, too, believe that Matt Nagy's proven that he is a good head coach. The offensive stuff still needs to come around. There's yes. no question. But as a head coach, I've been very, very impressed with with what he's done so far. Yeah. So... All right, here's how I want to end the podcast just for some fun because it's popped up on Twitter, and I did a little digging, and I like it. Oh. Bold predictions. Since it is the start of the offseason, let's mark it down. A bold prediction. And I mean bold. Might not necessarily even be realistic. <laughs> since that's
1: usually well, how- the Well, what are you texting me? I mean, I'm trying to come up with something. For, for my 45-minute drive up here, I'm like, yeah. What can I do to top that? Like, okay, ahead.
0: I'll give mine first, then. Well, I saw I clicked on a link to a Philly Inquirer story yesterday. It was locker room clean-out day for the Eagles because they lost. And there's some very interesting stuff in there about Malcolm Jenkins basically openly, openly saying, I'm not playing under my current contract next year. No, that stuff happened at our lo- open locker room. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, at, but then there was an interesting note on Zach Ertz in that he was essentially talking like he's somebody who could be traded this offseason, like he's prepared to be traded. And the th- I guess the thinking there would be for the Eagles is that they got Dallas Goddard, and Zach Ertz is good enough that he could potentially bring in a different piece that they need, potentially a wide receiver or a corner. Anybody who watched the Eagles this year realizes they could use a corner. Anyway, um, someone tweeted at this at me. I think he tweeted at you, too. Um,
1: Oh, yes, I did see
0: that. Let me click on it to give the right person a shout-out. At Drew Molina on Twitter, tagged me in this, which is kind of how I found it. The story was from Les Bowen, the Philly Inquirer. And uh, Drew Molina on Twitter suggested Prince of Mookamara for Zach Ertz. Let's go. <laughs> That's not happening. No. Okay. No. Uh, first of all, Mookamara... 10, probably probably going to be released. Ten million dollar cap hit. If you release them, it's one. So you save nine million dollars right there. So a team's not going to trade for a guy who's probably going to be on the open market. Plus, that's not the type of player that the that the Eagles are looking for for Zach Ertz. Like you, if you're, this is the thing fans always struggle with with trades. Just because a guy's available doesn't mean you could throw a bunch of, like, you know... Anything and everything. used to happen on White Sox post-game shows all the time. Like, guys available. Well, let's throw, like, four bad players and get one good one. Like, that's not how it works. If you're trading something, you want to get something in return. So, how about Zach Ertz for Kyle Fuller? To me, that's something the Eagles would have to consider. Now, I I looked at the contracts. Kyle Fuller's got a pretty big cap hit next year, uh, as in 2021. Ertz's contract's pretty similar, but the cap's a little bit different. Very reasonable. Both of them have two years left on their deals. So that matches up, at least. If you're the Eagles, you're getting a good Pro Bowl cornerback in return. Somebody that could really help your defense. And if you're the Bears... You're getting that you tight end. You really need, yeah, yeah.
1: Makes sense on both sides. Again, we're forgetting what's the name of the backup Eagles tight end. He's not even a backup. He plays Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard. Yes. So did you say that?
0: You said that. Well, just because that's who I think they they feel like Goddard can be a receiving, more of a
1: receiving. Yes, in a sense, he already is. So. You know, Ertz is gone. You know, you you fill a guy in there. Now, I, they do run a lot of two tight end sets, so that'll be a need for him.
0: But but also, now you put Trey Burton back more in the role he was in with the Eagles.
1: Yes, yes. Because uh, now you have Zach
0: again. Ertz and Trey Burton together again.
1: Right, right. So it makes sense both ways. All right, so here's... We'll call it... I'm a, We'll do a prediction series because we're going to do all sorts of things. I'm spending a lot of time thinking about the Bears quarterback situation. Okay. So... This is my prediction for right now. January 7th at 1058 AM here in the northern suburbs of Chicago. January 7th again. The Bears will sign in free agency Case Keenum. Oh, God. And they will draft one in the fourth round using that... Um. Conditional pick or compensatory pick. There you have it. That is is my prediction for the Bears quarterback situation. Okay.
0: Now, I just want to clarify. Mine is kind of more of like a bold idea. I don't necessarily predicting that that's really going to happen. Like, they're trading Kyle Fuller. Okay. And I'm certainly not trying to start trade rumors. Yes. I'm just – it's fun sometimes to talk about potential trades, especially on podcasts. Is yours an actual prediction? Because yours sounds – No, it's
1: it's going to change. It's going to evolve. But – That's how I feel today. So, uh, yes, it's a bold prediction. Maybe not too bold. But that's what my prediction is for the quarterback situation in 2020. Trubisky, Case Keenum, and a fourth-round draft pick. Ooh, Case Keenum. No. No. (laughs) Nah. (sighs) No. It's an impressive uh, array of no's you have there.
0: Uh, Let me give one caveat. Maybe if Pat Shermer's the O.C. There you go. There's your, there's your connection. <laughs> maybe maybe that works. Oh, I don't know about that one. All right. That was a fun way to end the podcast. Yes. Good fun for a, a mid-January no Bears game podcast. <laughs> At least there's some coaching news and some NFL news and stuff. Next week, listen to us. Break down the Browns. Continuing coaching, sir. Yeah. <laughs> No, they've not hired Urban Meyer. This week in the Browns' coaching search, Jason Garrett. The list, on.
1: the list of coaches who have refused to go to Cleveland. Maybe
0: Jim Haslett can get that. Done. <laughs> uh sort of a tease. We're hoping Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcast, we have a special. End of season episode for you, uh, but I can't guarantee that it's going to be done in time. Hopefully, that's where it is. Maybe next week. Either way, we're going to have a podcast for you Thursday. So if it's not that, it'll still be us talking about things for you. Um, So look out for that. Read us. I'm at WGNRadio.com slash Bears. You know where Johnsy's at. The Athletic. Go read that story he wrote. It's really, really good. Check it out there. Also, the Bob McGinn story and the Fishman Kevin Fishbane broke down the roster, too. The you, Fishman. You can check that out there as well. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. We appreciate you re- reading, listening here on The Athletic. Please tell your friends to go subscribe. We've had a couple new ones ask us about that the last couple days. Yeah. It's there for you. TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns. See ya. And that's the facts. That's, that's 100% truth.